don't have hair, but I have a cord. Uh. Haven't had to do that in a while. How's everyone doing? Good. Yeah? Are you lenting well? Yes. Get lent. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this evening, we're going to uh, just give you a quick little uh, cheery little encouragement about lamenting. I just need to pick all the fun ones. Um, now, while we, uh, you know, we'll pray sometimes big prayers, we're supposed to pray big prayers because we serve a big God, right? It says to, we don't have because we don't ask. So we're supposed to pray. And, and even, you know, following through the example of, you know, Jesus Christ, who taught us the, you know, the Our Father, where in there it even says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a big prayer. The kingdom of God to come and be here. And um, the, the problem that comes in is uh, there's this tension between, you know, God's kingdom coming and being here on earth and yet it not being here yet, right? The fancy word is called eschatological tension. There will not be a test on that and do not ask me to spell it. But it's this, again, it's this idea of, you know, kind of where we're at right now. Jesus came, he redeemed us by his sacrifice. We're Christians, we're living in this present world. We got duties to love God, to love others. But yet he has not yet come again. And he has not yet brought all things to pass. We are not yet at the end. Though as Christians, we strive towards it. You know, to kind of help you get a better picture of it, think about springtime in Wisconsin. Right? I mean, how, March, that was a heck of a month, right? I mean, it said we were in spring. We knew it was spring. You got the NCAA tournament. You see spring sales, spring here and there, spring this and that. But it didn't always feel like spring. And this is kind of this idea here, you know, where we know that God is coming. We know his kingdom is coming here, but it's not quite here yet. And sometimes we're stuck in those days, you know, where it's still cold and it's still snowing two to three inches and it feels like we haven't seen the sun in 30 days. But where's spring? It's supposed to be there. But then there's times where it's 70 degrees and sunny. You know, springtime in Wisconsin, it's where you need to have every available piece of your wardrobe or every piece of your wardrobe available at any given moment. One day you can be wearing, you know, snowshoes and snow pants. And the next day you can put your flip-flops and shorts on. And I think it's hilarious in Wisconsin, uh, you know, especially here in, in Green Bay. But when it gets warm, it's like all of the people emerge again, right? It's like we're all in hibernation and you drive around, you see no one. <laughs> There's no one walking down the street, nothing going on. And then all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's like, whew, all these people miraculously appeared. And I always wondered, those people I see jogging, are you guys jogging all the time or do you just jog when it's nice out? That I don't know because I don't see those people all year round. So maybe they have indoor treadmills or something like that. But see, we have to wrestle with that as far as God's kingdom. We have to wrestle with what do we do in the days where it seems like God's kingdom is so real, where he's answering prayer, where his will is being done on this earth, and then other times where it seems like, hello, are you there? 
You know, sometimes people ask, well, why do bad things happen? What, 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 what is that? Why, why is it like that? Why sometimes does he answer prayer and other times he's not? Because this isn't the end yet. You know, in Revelations, it says that he's going to make all things new. He's gonna change everything. But we're not there yet. So our job is to strive and to trust him and pray those big prayers. So I wanna, I wanna talk about what do we do with that? You know, how do we handle it when we know that God's kingdom is coming but we don't yet see it? What happens when we pray the big prayer but we don't get the answer? How, what's our response into that? And the answer is really twofold. The first is when you don't see God, you don't see him doing stuff, keep praying. Cry out. Keep praying the big prayer. Keep trusting him. You know, and, and for me, that's the sign, a real sign of faith is when you're not seeing it and it doesn't come, and it, kind of, it doesn't mess with you. You know, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, in, in Daniel, the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Heard of the, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he has this little song he plays, I guess, I don't know, all these instruments play, and then everyone's supposed to bow down, and they're supposed to worship uh, the king's God and his idols that he made. Well, these three guys say, we're not gonna do that because this isn't the God that we serve. And this doesn't sit well with the king. And we can read about this in Daniel 3, picking up in uh, verse 14. It says, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? And he says, now listen, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, I think Greg can play most of these instruments, by the way, <laughs> and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, then very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And he says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So he makes a threat. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Like, we don't need to say a thing because our God is big enough. He can deliver us and he will deliver us. Right? Now that part of it, that part of the prayer, most of us don't have a problem with because that's the victory part, right? Yeah, yeah. And they believe this, they have faith, but look how strong their faith is. Their faith, it goes on there, it says in a, a 17, it says, but if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we, uh, verse 18 is where I want to be, fast forward, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The tough part is how do we deal with it even if he does not? Do we believe God can do it? Absolutely. We know, yes, he can do it. I've seen him do it before. But even if he does not, we're not gonna turn our back on him. He's no less our God, and therefore we will not bow down and worship. That is a sign of true faith the faith of the even if he does not. So when you hit those hard times and 
and stuff happens and it seems like you're stuck in this, the land of the suck, you know, and it's just everything's going awful and you don't know why, you're doing your best, things are going on and it just seems like it's just going on and nothing's going on. Don't turn your back on him. Continue to pray those big prayers. Continue to know that he can deliver you, that he will deliver you. But even if he does not, it's not gonna change who we are, it's not gonna change who we worship. Amen? Amen. You know, in Psalms 46, it says this, it says, God is our refuge and strength. Amen. An ever-present help in trouble. This is a perfect example of this tension. <laughs> God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. You think, well, if God is with me, how about we avoid the trouble? <laughs> if God is with me, why do I have to go through the trouble? Because his kingdom is coming, but it's not yet here. And that's the prayer here in the Psalms. In other words, he's always with us. Even when you're going through the stuff, tough stuff, he's with you. When you're wandering through the land of suck, he is there with you. It goes on to say, therefore, we will not fear. It says, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That is a bad day. You ever feel like that happens to you where you're going along, doing life, things are going well, and then all of a sudden, the floor just drops out? You ever gotten real tragic news? Just something that just crushes you. It's like the, the floor falls out. And you were living life well, you don't know what's going on, and you're just sort of sitting there. And the first thought is, God, why did, you, why did you let this happen? What happened? And the thing to remember is though, even though that's happening, remember, he is still with you. So first, continue to pray those big prayers. Know that he is with you. Know that he can deliver you from anything. And secondly, we need to learn to lament. In other words, how honest are you with God? Do you give him all of your pain that you're going through? Do you allow him to come in and be a part of that pain? You know, it's a sign of how close you are with someone about how honest you are, right? I meet you all as you're coming in here today and you can ask me how you doing, Phil, and I'll probably always tell you I'm doing well, thanks. Even if I'm not. <laughs> Why? Because it's a polite thing to do. And you probably don't necessarily want me at that moment to try, actually, let me tell you about something. Come here. I'm so mad at this person. Nah, da, 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 I can't, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just wanted to hear a good day, you know, and move on with things. But when you have a very close relationship with someone, maybe it's your spouse, a best friend, something like that, a family member, where they ask you, how you doing? And you know that they really want to know how you're doing. And you can be honest with them. If it's a real close relationship, you can even be honest with them that you're mad at them. How you doing? I'm very mad at you right now. I don't like you right now. It's difficult for me just to look at you. Right? And the reason you can do that is because your relationship is close. Because you know they're not gonna freak out because it doesn't come from a place of hatred. It doesn't come from a place of bitterness. It comes from, as odd as it sounds, a place of love. Because sometimes we just get ticked. Sometimes we just have a bad day and someone drives us crazy. 
Can you be honest like that with God? When you don't see him all the time, can you be honest with him? You know, Paul, he has this, uh, he, he writes this in Romans 8. He says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Yes, that's where we're going. Now, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. This includes us sometimes. We're in the groan. Sometimes there's a part of us that needs to groan as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, I've never given birth to a child, but I've been around four of them. And then from what I can understand is the part leading up to kind of, you know, right before the baby comes when they're in that labor, that doesn't seem fun. There's not much as a, especially as a first time dad, I didn't know what to do. I stood there. You know, I was kind of wishing, like, remember back, like, in the old movies where, like, the husbands sat out and just smoked cigars out there? Like, can we not do that again? Oh, no, they want you right in there, man. And I, and I don't get it, because I'm not a medical professional. Right? It's like, I'm not at any point just going to be like, hey, can you come up here and just preach the next part of this message? Uh. But what happened? That baby comes out, and they're handing me a pair of scissors, and here, cut this. Goodness gracious, I didn't want to be... I didn't want to be behind the catcher, okay? I wanted to be, be like the first base coach somewhere out there. I didn't want to get right in there, and you have to get right in there. And I tell you what, that baby, when it comes out, it's beautiful. That's what the whole thing's about, right? It's the expectation of the baby, and everything changes, and it's wonderful, and it just melts your heart. And I wasn't great with children. If you were here Sunday, you understand that, so I didn't really know what to expect. It's not like I was like, yay, kids! But man, when that first one comes out, oh, it just messes with you in a way you can't even describe. But you can't get there without the labor, right? And this is kind of the picture he's painting here is, listen, the kingdom of God is coming, but there's times where it's like we just groan <laughs> through this pain of going through this labor. He says in verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. For who hopes what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. One of the things we can learn from that text is that God wants us to join, not just in the celebration of what is to come, but also the groaning of how it is not yet here. Me, just like a dad, I wanted to sit in the, you know, the waiting room, smoking cigars, doing nothing, and just joining the celebration. But no, you have to get in there. And when you're there, it's, it's great. My wife wanted me there. I think I floated past her the idea of, maybe I can go wait out there. That wasn't okay with her. By three or four, though, she did have her sisters came in, and I let them get a little bit closer. I'm like, I've been there, done that. We'll wait back here and help you guys. But there's this idea that 
while God's kingdom is coming and we need to rejoice with that, there's something about joining in that those pains of it not yet being here. You know, Jesus, this is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, he jumped in, he took our sin, our death, our pain. He took all of that on himself. He joined in with us. And that's what we need to look for. You know, in Matthew 5, 4, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But usually we don't want to mourn. <laughs> we just want to move into the rejoicing. And let me tell you, it takes real faith to be able to mourn, to lament, to be honest with God about how you feel. Sometimes we can get nervous, you know, thinking that we're just going to be like a spiritual Karen. Now, that's a, a cultural joke. This is not against anyone but Karen, but they say that, you know, that lady who always says, can I speak to your manager? For whatever reason, they call her Karen. It's not doing that kind of thing, not you going to God. Excuse me, God, can I see your manager? I don't like the service I'm getting. That's not what it is, but it's just you being honest and just letting God know what's inside you and sort of joining in with this groan of what's going on. You think it sounds like complaining to God, but it's, it's not. And we can see this in scriptures. Just look at the Psalms. I wanna go through a Psalm right now and you'll see how there's lament in this. In Psalm 44, the psalmist writes, we have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days and days long ago. With your hand, you drove out the nations, you planted our ancestors, you crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. He's pointing us, we know you're God. We've seen what you've done. And then he goes on to say, you are my king and my God who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. Not my sword does not bring the victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God, we make our boasts all day long and we will praise your name forever. He knows that's coming. He knows that's who God is. But now he's gonna be honest with where he's at. Verse nine, but now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. You have made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their head at us. And it gets personal. I live in disgrace all day long. And my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of my enemy who is bent on revenge. All this came upon us. Even though we had not forgotten you, we had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us and made us haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secret of the heart? Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So he says, awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Browse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. 
Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Wow. See, this is not born out of cheap blame. This is born out of a deep sense that God, you have always been faithful. But what happened? Prayers like this are not an attack on God's goodness as much as they are a cry for justice. Because see, lament recognizes the problems and some of the promises. You know, it says we are promised health, but yet sometimes sickness finds us. We are promised provision, but sometimes it doesn't come. We are promised protection, but sometimes we are not protected. We're promised strength beyond temptation, and yet sometimes we still fall into addictions. And see, Lament is just speaking to God about this. He's being honest. God, here's what's going on. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm feeling. Where, where are you, God? And it's not out of a cheap, you know, where's my manager kind of thing. It's like, I know you are, God. I know you're real. It's okay to mourn. Because blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. So be honest with God. And that takes faith to be honest with God. So ask yourself, am I able to be honest with God when I'm not seeing him in my life? Sometimes the desires for optimal outcome or God's miracle in our lives is sometimes the only thing that we can see. We think, well, no, this, well, this can happen, this can happen. And we don't take time sometimes just to sit in and just be honest of like, oh, but this is awful. God, hear my cry. Where are you, Lord? I need you. And watch how he meet, meets you. Watch how you're comforted through that. He's with you in the victory. He'll be there with the victory, but also an ever-present help in times of trouble. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to ask why. Just remember that it all comes from a place of faith. And if you're ever wondering, what do I do? How do what do I pray in that moment? Go to the Psalms. There are lots of Psalms like the one I just read. And just read through that. And just sort of join in with them, you know, as he's going through. Yes, I believe God can do everything. Yes, I can do everything. He can do this thing. I've seen him do miracles before, but where is he now? So you can be honest with God in that. And this is why it's a good thing to find people in your life who can get close to you, who you can be honest with, and who can share in that with you, can be there for you in that pain. Amen? All right. Man, ended on a downer note, but that's kind of where it went. It's kind of hard to bring it back from lament. <laughs> so let's, all, let's play one more praise song. Rejoice in the Lord, oh my soul. No. All right, well, cool. Let's, uh, let's just close in prayer and then we will uh, head back and get our soup. Lord God, I think a lot of us in here can relate with the psalmist there. Lord, we know you're real. We've seen you do miracles. God, I've seen you do miracles in my life. And then there's been times too, Lord, where it just seems like you're not there. The miracle doesn't come. The prayer for healing doesn't get answered. But Lord, help us have faith enough to be honest with you as we go through our struggles, knowing that you are always faithful, that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. So Lord, I pray right now if there's some, those out there that are mourning, going through something, God, I pray that you comfort them, 
as you said that you would. That your grace be there with them. Let them know that you are with them even in the tough times. And Lord, with all that in mind, we know that while your kingdom is not here yet, we know that you are going to make all things new. You will wipe every tear, heal every sickness. And until that day, God, we continue to trust you and continue to follow you. With your saving grace, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, you may be dismissed. Enjoy yourself some soup. <laughs>